I'm Marisol. And I'm Adam. And you are listening to The The Reading Reading Aloud Aloud Podcast. Podcast. A podcast where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication is explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. In season two, we bring you along on our tour to keep the conversation going. Okay. Here we go. (laughs) Welcome to the Reading Aloud Podcast. (laughs) I'm in a really good mood. Oh my god. And are you? No. Right. You're so in, is, why are you in a good mood? Um, well, I've been waking up early and I've also made a commitment to no social media before lunch. Um, I read something or was listening to something where it said that social media basically sucks your creativity. Like it it, it, it wastes all your dopamine mm. pretty much. So so by looking at it before you kind of engage it, it it wastes your dopamine, it sucks your creativity energy out. So by the time you get to your actual work or something that you're trying to do in the day, you're tired. Your brain function is reduced. And so no social media before lunch and waking up super early. And so I'm like highly caffeinated, ready to go. And I, I feel good. Is that why you have food in your teeth? Always have food in my teeth. <laughs> Yesterday I took this picture of Adam because he was eating, <laughs> what were you eating? We I was eating nachos. nachos. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Homemade nachos. We call it homemade Taco Bell. Yeah. Because that's really, Taco Bell's really where it's at. And then you hear everybody in the background go, ew, <laughs> gross. We just lost major cool points. We actually never go to Taco Bell, but we hearken on fond memories of Taco Bell from our youth. And well, I'm from Texas. What is that? Well, that should actually mean you have, like, you you have more delicious more options. delicious options. Yeah, for but cheap. every but but you know, fast food is such a novelty, and so <laughs> when we were growing up, it was such a novelty. Are you kidding me? Growing up, like going well, you're, I mean, you really it, have a different experience. Uh, let me just yeah. say, we never ate fast food. Right. So so it was like Sundays we would do Kentucky Fried Chicken every once in a while. Like we do like church with grandma picnic in the park and Kentucky fried chicken. And it was just like, what is this crack? Uh-huh. And then every once in a while, we, I would go to McDonald's with my dad as a way of, you know, like how we would spend our morning together or something. And then, but like, it was so few and far between, but right. that stuff ha- literally has chemicals in it designed to make you want more. Addictive. And so, yeah. 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 And so, and then, so as I got older, you know, I discovered Taco Bell probably in high school. And, <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so and amazing. then at that point you had like freedom to go when you wanted. But there's a like something. It's like uh-huh. homemade cooking is better. Uh-huh. Real food is better. Of Everything course. about it is yeah. better. And yet there's something about fast food that makes you just be like, mm. it's called good marketing because because they like they no, make it. You look, know that flavor is in your mouth. Yeah, like the first bite. It's always the first bite, and you're like, mm, and then by the end, you're you're gonna Sick. die. Yeah. Um, it will. I, my experience was a by li- the end, you're gonna die because you ate too much because <laughs> it was so good. Right. Okay. All right. That's. I don't necessarily. Maybe, but you just. Well, it's it's not necessarily good. You just keep eating it because there's addictive qualities to it. But wait, let me get let me get my thing out here. So, uh, my experience with it was a little different in the sense that. There was just, in my small southeastern Kentucky interstate town, there was just nowhere else really to go out to eat when I was growing up. I mean, it was fast food. We had, it was a tiny, tiny town, a couple thousand people. And we literally had, 
I think every single fast food chain that could have been available on That's the East so Coast. That's so rude of them. You know, we grew up, at least I felt where I was, I grew up in a time where there was the, you know, there was the, the degradation of the downtown areas, the little cafes and, and soup and salad places that were, you know, soup salad sandwich places that were downtown, just moved away. And the, and the area around the interstate... Did you watch it move away? Or had it moved away? It had pretty much moved away when... I was growing up. Um, yeah, so it had pretty much moved away. But like, I, I do remember when our small little Walmart closed and they built the huge super Walmart and it kind of like all transitioned to right in this strip mall type hub around the interstate. And it's funny to watch now people try to bring the life back into downtown. Um, and that's where the growth at where before. But anyway, just on food, like we had... We had every single, it was amazing that we had every single fast food restaurant in this tiny town. And it was primarily because it wasn't that the town was supporting that. It was an interstate town. So, Got you know, it. it was the interstate was supporting that. Got it. So let's, let's talk about food. Well, don't you want to know why I'm not in a good mood? What? Oh, yeah. Why are you not in a good mood? Probably because I'm not paying attention to you. Yes. Yes. And what else? <laughs> well, you're the main reason. Yeah. The second reason. Why am I putting you not in a good mood? Um, no, you're being really sweet, but you just, you put me in a bad mood yesterday. Yeah. Because you didn't communicate well with me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I apologize about that. I admit that I didn't communicate well with you. Yeah. But, it, you know, I'm trying, you know, in our reading this morning about suffering, it's like, what did, what did Thich Nhat Hanh say about suffering? You gotta... Hold it tenderly, like a mother holds her newborn baby. And Seriously, then, it did say something like that. And then what? It's but it did talk about transforming it into happiness. As as I remembered it, it talked about like everyone is suffering, right? I'm suffering, you're suffering, and when we look deeply in ourselves and we see our suffering and our anger, and we hold that, we hold it tenderly. We embrace it, we don't reject it, but we embrace it. And then by embracing our own suffering, we're actually able to see and recognize the suffering in another person. And instead of wanting to communicate our suffering in the context of anger, emotions, or blaming, or making the other person suffer, we actually recognize that we can hold our suffering, we see the suffering, and then in that blossoms empathy and um you know, and love, and and out of that can blossom happiness. So I'm supposed to hold my suffering, <clears throat> which makes me empathetic to you, to see your suffering. But you just told me you're doing great. Well, but at the moment when the communication was difficult, probably if looking at it objectively now, taking a step back, part of the reason I was communicating poorly was because I had suffering. Oh right, right. Right. Okay. All right. Moving on. Moving back to food, though. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about food today, which is both, like, my favorite thing and least favorite thing. Okay, explain. And it's your, just your favorite thing. I love food. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I feel like this I feel like this could go so many different directions. We could I could judge you. You would never judge me cuz you don't, but I could judge you about your love of food. Okay. How about this? How about this? 
what about like, okay, so we just, I'm going to draw in this suffering conversation that we just had. So we had, we had, you know, we have suffering um, in our lives and the, you know, some of the Zen philosophy around that is to embrace it and hold it tenderly and actually develop somewhat of a relationship with it, a healthy relationship with it. And you get to have a relationship with it, just like a relationship to self, to other to work, whatever, and you get to define it. Yeah, and and I, I think that's a relationship is beautiful because in the podcast on death, we talked about having a relationship with death, and and you, you know you just mentioned it there. So I, I think that food is another one of these things that's omni, in some ways, omnipresent in our lives, it right? Is like hundred uh, percent. Death is ubiquitous across all cultures and societies, as is food, as is several other things, you know, across. But food is one of those things everybody partakes in, every living being partakes in some sort of like consumption of food. What I'm trying to communicate is developing a healthy relationship with it. So a connection, that it is something, it is one of these things in our lives. And this podcast is about creating healthy connections and relationships. And we're trying to achieve that just through, you know, our own communication. But like, I guess food, broadly speaking, it's just another thing that like, well, you want to create a, a, a beautiful, healthy relationship with at its core. And then from that blossom out into all of the different you know, ways in which you want to dive in and the ethics around it or this or that. But like at its core, it is what is my relationship with the food that I'm consuming and putting into my Can body? Can I pause you? Of course. So on our walk this morning, you were like, what do you want to talk about on the podcast? And we were talking about, you had decided we would talk about food, which I thought was great, great topic. Because I think it's an integral part of a relationship. It's like, Mm -hmm. what are you eating? Are you eating together? Do you like the same foods? Do you cook together? Who cooks? This and that. It happens so frequently that it is, you know, and you're doing it both together and separately. And and then you were like, well, what topics do you want to cover? And I was like, well, I don't want to talk about that because I don't want to get into the content of the podcast yet. But I probably should have told you I don't want an existential conversation about food as relationship. Great. <laughs> I don't want a deep conversation about that. Great. I want to talk about who cooks. I and- cook. <laughs> I make a mean soup. You make a mean soup, especially a warm fish soup <laughs> on a hot summer day. <laughs> So this one time we were, you know, this happens. Okay, here's something with food is leftovers, right? And and Meisel makes a mean soup. She is by far and away a better soup maker than I am. Than anybody you know. Than anybody you know. She's, she makes the best soups. And she made this fish soup, which was great fish soup. I loved it. Well, here's, here's but what But there's is. a lot it's, of it left it's over. A, it's a curry vegetable soup and the, and the you know, kind of the, protein is fish, right, white fish. Right, right, Easy way to get a little fish, and it's just an easy soup. <laughs> right. Um, but there was a lot of it, and on about day five, no. and the, the leftovers of the soup, and it was a hot summer day in July, and you know what? We do have an ethic around not letting food go to waste. So you had some like beautiful salad that I made that was really delicious and awesome. Crisp, cool. Crisp, cool, just what you want. We're sitting on the front porch, the heat's coming in, trousers panting, and I committed to finish the hot fish soup. 
<laughs> I mean, I guess I could have not warmed up, but it was so much better warm anyway. Well, oh, gross. No, it would have had like weird oil deposits. Yeah, exactly. No, but but I that I appreciate that about you is you're you are will you are the you are committed to finishing the last of whatever. Like whereas I'm more I have more of a need around what am I in the mood for? You will eat literally whatever is put in front of you. Yeah. Have you ever had a time where you were like, I can't eat that. I'm going to make something else. Sure. I mean, like, there are times when I don't necessarily want what's in front. But, like, if it's in my refrigerator and it's already been made, like, I'm going to eat it and like it. I actually right? think There's that just a difference. But I actually think that that makes sense because it's it, – leftovers are a luxury, you know, when you make food and the next day there's nothing in the fridge and you're trying to have a quick meal for lunch, it's great to have leftovers. Right. You know, I was in, um, I spent some time in Italy and they're very anti-leftovers. What do you mean? Or my experience was that they're pretty anti-leftovers. Because they want everything fresh? Yeah. 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 You you cook, you literally, I remember like we would do, you know, basically pasta every day uh, for our big lunch. And that's, that was the big meal of the day was like, you know, lunch. And they would measure it out within grams of pasta. Average person ate, I don't know what it was. I forget. This is going to be wrong. Did they like know two that, two did to 300 know, grams of did pasta. Did they know that you eat eight people's servings? Well, they figured that out eventually. <laughs> and then, you know, you'd add a couple, add 50 more grams of pasta for Adam. But like they would measure out, this is how much pasta we consume as I was on a farm. The farm consumes at a meal and that's how much they would cook. They would not make more than that. Okay, but explain explain this to me because don't you think cooking is super time consuming? Very much so. It takes up, I mean, what are we looking at? A third of the day? Yeah, I mean, basically between sleeping, cooking, and, you know, walking or whatever else we take up the day. You know, the other I would third. say the third, third most consumptive thing outside of work is night routine, flossing. <laughs> <laughs> Leftovers. Right. Well, and so I'm wondering, like, in Italy, it's like... that's much more time to homemade pasta. Right, but it rotated. It rotated who did it. You know, this was on a situation where there's enough people that you would rotate through that there wasn't one person kind of making all the time. I know, but it's far. I just took a sip of Meisel's coffee. I mean, you know that. I got the death look. Well, I had like a half cup. Yeah, you're, yeah. yeah. To start. Anyways, um, okay, what else about food? Do you resent having to cook all the time? No, I love cooking and I love the creativity in it. You know, I learned, I guess I learned to cook two ways. I learned to cook, I absorbed a lot of knowledge around cooking from watching my mother when I was little. And it, and I didn't actually realize that until later in life when I actually started cooking. It wasn't like I sat, you know, I say I learned how to cook from my mom, but like I didn't cook with my mom. She wasn't sitting there teaching me recipes and teaching me tips and tricks. Occasionally I may help her, but like it wasn't that. It was just watching the way that she put meals together for our family. Um, So I learned that. And then secondly, I just learned by more and more cooking, just doing it myself. Do you feel like you learn from your dad now? Because he puts together all the meals now. No, no, (laughs) I don't think. My dad has a very interesting... um, But he's cooking all the time. He's cooking all the time. He does all the cooking now. He does all the cooking, yeah. I mean, 
Because he likes to know. eat fresh foods. You he know? likes to eat fresh foods. He's got his, you know, big CSAs and he eats a ton of greens. But, like, he has interesting um, flavor choices. Let me just say that. I would say. Yeah. yeah. He has, he has Although, very... let me just say. When Here's I... the thing is he doesn't eat any sugar. He doesn't allow himself any sugar. So, therefore, he. but then he sweetens all his food with things like green apples and things that make it this kind of like healthy sweet that isn't actually well it's he, not a good he taste. likes things sweeter more than savory he doesn't like the the, the like rich savory food mm-hmm. and that's really what i like is rich you know richer savory food let me know? just say when i when i uh went, first went to your parents house i was so glad that he cooked healthy foods yeah because we you know when we spend days on end there it's like you know that's what i've always grown up eating just like simple Healthy what meals. did your parents pack you for lunch? That's oh, a good food always one. always sandwiches. Sandwiches. Carrots, grapes, carrots, like a grapes. fruit, a vegetable, a sandwich. Yeah. And then, you know, like a cough drop for a dessert. <laughs> There's like or like Were you a, embarrassed about that? A licorice jelly bean. About my cough drop dessert? No, about like a he- having a healthy lunch packed for I you. was not never embarrassed because it always you know, but I, but it was always like a ham and mayonnaise sandwich and oh my gosh, on wheat toast. And it was so good. But, um, no, I was never embarrassed about it. I just, uh, either ate it as a snack and then still got a school lunch or traded it out. People love to eat my homemade food. I was like, great. I will eat your slice of frozen pizza. Um, can I say one other thing? Sure. That when my favorite memory of you, and I mean, I have the distinctest memory of you, <laughs> but when we first met and I would stay the night at your apartment and w- you would wake up, you would, you like, you bought everything for your life at this corner market. I mean, did you ever go anywhere else? Sure. Where? Of course. Where? Huh? I would go to Earth Fair. Oh, right. Earth or Fair. I would go to the grocery store. Yeah. yeah. Earth, no, no, but I wanted to know which one, like, because there was an Ingalls right down the road. Yeah. Did you go to Ingalls? Oh, very really. sparingly, but you not really. You went to Earth Fair, which is like the Whole Foods of, like, the local version. Yeah. Either way, it felt like at night we would walk to the corner market, pick up a very expensive six-pack of eggs and, like, you know, something nice, and then we'd wake up in the morning and you'd cook it for me before I had to be at work at, like... 8 a.m. Yeah. 7 a.m., 8 a.m., like really, really early. Right. And I always, and you, you know, the, your apartment was about six square feet total. <laughs> so you were right there <laughs> and cooking up, and it was so sweet. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, in that apartment, there was a bed, and then there was like a window area into a little uh, sitting, uh, built in sitting, b- built in booth nook for that was the table. And then right on the other side of that was the kitchen area. And so it was like, this tiny little kitchen, but you looked into essentially what was the bed because the bedroom wasn't big enough for anything else really other than a bed. So, um, yeah, it's sweet. How do you like, how do you think that mealtime impacts our relationship? Like actually mealtime together? Cause we eat pretty much every meal together. And during COVID here, we've eaten, I would say 98% of meals together. I Well, definitely. Um, I, the way it impacts is to me, because quality time is such a love language for me, it's the second highest, um, I would say it's like an opportunity to get us both to pause, and we, we don't bring our phones or anything. You know, remember that thing we read about, like, even if a phone is on the table, even if it's upside down, 
like yeah. not lighting up or anything that there the there's a different brain relationship to how people connect. Yeah. Am I saying that well enough? Yeah, it well, it changes some it sort of... It diminishes. It diminishes the quality. And I think that food and meals can be a, a really... It is a set thing that you do usually, at least for us. It's a set thing that we do with each other almost every day. And so sometimes people are saying, like, we don't have time for connection. We don't have time for prayer or intention setting or conversation. And mealtime is actually an already a time that's integrated into our lives where that is possible. And so things like having phones at, you know, the table and we don't have any kids. So there's that factor. But like, especially in this scenario where we don't have children, it, it is actually a set time where we have to connect for breakfast, lunch and dinner. What about the times when you're like, I don't want to talk to you because it's late and my brain's mush. Let's watch TV. I think that's, you know, that's... I really appreciate that oftentimes if I'm like, because I'm not as sharp at night and I'm much, much, much more tired. And so it's an easy way to just like be entertained and not have to do anything. Um, I really appreciate when you're like, no, I've had enough screen time. And then, you know, we'll sit together or something like that. Yeah. I don't mind uh, to, you know, kind of do dinner in front of the TV every now and then, but you're right. Like, I think that oftentimes mealtime and the actual eating of it isn't that long, especially at home. You know, it's different in a restaurant, but like at, at home, by the time the, the, the food is on the plate, you're, you're talking maybe 15 minutes when it's just us of, uh, of eating? To be clear, 15 you're seconds, talking yeah. 15 seconds. I'm talking 30 minutes. I want to I wanna time it. Okay, let's, let's time it because I do. I eat fast and, you know, I feel like I enjoy my food, but I, but I eat too fast and I, and I don't eat mindfully enough. Why does that matter? Well, you know, there's the more scientific stuff about it, maybe helping with digestion and, uh, you know, you're, you're able to consume the nutrients more. But, but I think as well as its intention put into it, just like we're talking about setting aside mealtime as a time to create connection in whatever way is powerful for you, it's actually consuming food. This is, you know, a life force of sorts at that moment in a mindful way is really beneficial for you know, your psychological well-being mm-hmm. and your connection to spirituality, which is very important to me. Well, there's the like mindful eating from the Zen practice of like being aware of every bite because it is a n- nutrient giving life force giving experience, right? Like it's giving you life to eat food. And then, you know, the plants and of course, in our case, the animals that feed you, you know, like it's also a blessing for the plants, the animals and the minerals, etc. that have given you given their lives for you. Yeah. Um, however you look at that, right. And so, you know, it's an honoring of of what an honor it is to be able to consume another entity for you, for the purpose of enhancing your life. And that's kind of the, like, that's, you know, that's the kind of desire. That's the like 
what you want to attain, right? That kind of mindfulness in the same way that when you take a walk, you want to take in your surroundings and be mindful. When you brush your teeth, you want to be mindful. Like, you know, that's a pretty common thing for people to strive for. And, you know, we're just, we're just not there. Like that's really high level mindfulness. And so what is the right level of mindfulness for us? Mm, mm. I think probably it's us connecting while we eat, us being aware of the food, us like recognizing like the prayer or the blessing before we eat. You mean eat. have a relationship with the food? Oh my God. <laughs> 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 no. Who cooks? <laughs> I cook. What's my what's your favorite thing that I make? That's a hard question for me right now. One of my favorite things is when you make like pasta snossage dish. Another favorite is um, when you make fancy food, like when you made scallops with the corn, tomato, whatever, mm-hmm. roux. Or well, whatever. I'm, I'm also, I'm big into presentation. I like to. That like one to... really wowed me. Uh-huh. But also it was, it was like, we were sitting there and I was like, where are we? Are we like, you know, felt like we were out to dinner at a fancy restaurant for sure. And I love when you do that. I also really like, you know, the turkey meatballs with a piece of radish and cucumber. It's just uh-huh. a special meal. And uh, I mean, I like so many of your things. But and then, of course, the Danquich. Like you, first of all, anybody else making a sandwich is always going to be better than you making a sandwich. I mean, the last time I made a sandwich, the edges were soggy. I'm like, how'd this even happen? This is the this is the plight of making your own sandwich. Um, and you make a great Danquich, which is put everything on a sandwich and just. Well, yeah, a little bit. Oh, pardon. You tell uh, tell well, everybody the, what the, a Danquich the is. The Danquich is a sacred concept. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Food is a relationship. I mean. I mean, you know, this originated from going on isolate outdoor trips. And on the outdoor trips, anybody that's done a long hiking trip or a long, you know, uh, backpacking or whatever, been outside, you know that it's it's less about the, the you just want calories, right? Mm-hmm. You want calories. And so we used to make these trail sandwiches that would literally have everything on them. Hummus and tomato, cucumber, onion, um, I don't tofu. know, tofu slices, uh, or like, um, you know, peanut butter and jelly and ham and just like everything. And you just combine Not together. Totally. No. And, um, actually jelly. And if you have like, uh, meats are really good together because the sweet and the sweet. Yeah. Well that makes sense, but not a ham and not a peanut butter. Maybe not the peanut butter, but maybe so. Anyway, it's, that's not the point here. The point is, is that that's where that originated from, but really what it's morphed into is is uh, you know the the danquich is just a really intentional like full sandwich full of a lot bursting with a lot of different flavor mm-hmm. and the key to this and this is where everybody messes up sandwiches this is my one tip for people don't add too much stuff because same thing with a taco people put like you know it's all so good and you pile it on then you can't like the way that the sandwich actually eats is really important. Like it's not about all the inside stuff. The way that the sandwich, the way that when you put it in, that everything goes together. And the, the way that you do that, if you're putting a lot on a sandwich, 
then if you're just doing like meat and cheese, put a lot of meat and a lot of cheese or whatever you want. The man but like, loves his food. But like if you're doing, you know, spinach and pesto and uh, hummus and mustard and some spices and some this or that or, you know, and, and a tomato or something like that, add just thinly sliced little bit. Don't overburden the sandwich with a lot of stuff where they bite it and it all falls out and then you're just eating like a half bread salad, you know, um, <laughs> at the end, which is which is what often happens when people make big sandwiches. So anyway, that's my rant on that. Do you tell us what you like about my cooking at all? You trust the food. So I cook very, like, I pay attention to every little thing. Like, I'm, I'm very tuned in to watching it. And that's why I'm good at certain things, because I watch the food closely. I'm constantly moving and checking. You're just like, this is why you're good at soups. You're like, boom. And you, you, you don't, like, overly stir the thing. When you put in spices, you just sprinkle it on top, maybe whip it around once and do it. Like, you trust, this, you, you trust the way that the food cooks in order to cook in a way. So you give a lot of like faith and trust to that. And I really admire that. <laughs> it also has led to like burn things. Sure, sure. That's why you're not, you know, good the at other. Cook. Well, yeah. And that's why you're not as good at other things. But like some things you just, you just have this way of, it's, it's this trust factor. Um, you just trust that whatever you're making is going to turn out well. <laughs> and, and when it does, it does. It's amazing. And I really, I actually really admire that. I've learned a lot from you with that. Hmm. Why do I have such a hard time learning from you? <laughs> you just don't, you know, you don't like to be directed in, in a way. You like to either, you'll go into something and, 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 and you'll want to, you'll just trust that you're going to know and get it and be done with it right away. I might could eat a cabbage roll. Oh, really? I might could eat a cabbage roll. We could roll. make that. Great. We have all that. I might could eat a cabbage roll. I need the, I need the stew part, though. We have all that. I need it to be highly stew. Highly stew. Highly stew. I think you, we just decided dinner. Yeah, because you, because just so I, you know, you go low on the stew. I go low in the stew. Oh, that's the part I need because I can't have You need the, more stew. Yeah, because the, and we can take all this out because the inside is dry. Yeah. If you don't stew. Got it. I could eat that. Okay. I kind of cut that cabbage on, but I figure it out. Just figure it out. Okay. Or go to the store and get another one. Okay. All right. Well, this was a fun conversation. I actually learned a lot from talking talking with you about you this. You still have food in your teeth. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, I'm going to go pick that out. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Love ya. Bye. I'm Marisol. And I'm Adam. And you are listening to The, the Reading, Reading Aloud, Aloud podcast. podcast. A podcast where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication is explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. In season two, we bring you along on our tour to keep the conversation going. Okay. Here we go. <laughs>